Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. This is another edition of Frontline Friday. I am joined, as always, by my regular and special guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you today? Andy, today's a great day. Today's a great day to be alive. Today's a great day. Yes, that's right. Today's a great day. So. As always, I'm, I'm lucky in that I typically wake up happy and go to bed happy. So today perfect. was no different. Perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm stuffed in. I'm jet lagging still a little bit. Just returned from a little bit of a vacation, quasi vacation as I <laughs> mine usually are. But um, yeah, still trying to adjust to a six hour time difference. And so I was up late <laughs> last night. <laughs> Uh, either that or I was still makes it a slow makes it a slow makes it a slow start for the morning. Yeah. So anyway, um, so gosh, you know, couple really interesting things we want to talk about here today, and it's here's 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 my here's my problem is yeah we we're we're living in this really sort of really exciting age with regard to sales. We've got this is influx of technologies, sales enablement technologies, tools, things to make selling easier, perhaps more efficient, more effective. But as I think about recently, and I'm reading reports about sales productivity and sales performance and so on from industry standard sources like CSO Insights and others, that what struck me is that while on one hand everything is changing, on the other hand, nothing is changing. So I mean, is yeah, on the top we've got all these great technologies and so on, but you know, according to the reports, is you know, over half of our sales reps still don't make quota. In fact, I think that number is going up um, slightly, but it, it hasn't changed <laughs> markably in a really, really long time. Uh, you know, multiple reports saying that anywhere a range of from anywhere 50 to 60% of qualified opportunities and pipelines end up in no decision, what I call the no decision decision, which again, gosh, that's, that's, yeah, that's a huge number and, but it's not changing, right? Nothing we're doing is changing that conversion rates, you know, close rates, uh, 
gosh, like, yeah, we've got this whole influx of inside sales and in our SaaS business. And, you know, people seem to be happy. They have, you know, close rates in 20 to 23%. Whereas, you know, to me, that's unsustainably low. You, know, you can't, you can't build industries based on that. Yeah, there are some superstars that will come out, but by and large, for most of the companies, you know, it, it just doesn't work. So, you know, it's this conundrum, you know, I'm trying to deal with this and think about how do we, where's the real revolution in sales going to come from? You know, not just changing the window dressing as we're doing the technology, but, you know, fundamentally how we engage with prospects and improve the productivity, the real productivity of the individual. You know, if we, and I talk about productivity as, you know, the rate of output based on a unit of input. So, you know, how we can get more sales revenue for you know each hour we spend selling and that seems to be the real missing missing ingredient and so i want to spend some time talking about that get your your take on it well here's something as you are as you're talking about this andy that i wonder is yeah we haven't seen quota attainment go up we haven't seen conversion rates go up. We haven't seen, you know, the different statistics that you mentioned. The no decided has stayed the same. And so it does beg the question, has technology done anything? We've got all these sales acceleration tools and helping us be more productive. And, and yet here's what I wonder is, it, it, I do think that these technologies have helped. And Here's going to be sort of my hypothesis, and I'd, I'd like to get your opinion on it, is I, I think it's helped in that things would be worse if we didn't have the technologies. So all it's really allowed us to do is kind of get to the place where we're treading water. But without them, I, I think we'd be struggling. Without technology that that has enabled salespeople to deal with the fact that prospects can block contact more frequently, that they're, they're getting bombarded with messages more often, that they can do a lot more of their searching and research um, via the internet these days. So there's a lot of technology that has changed the way the buyers buy. And I think technology has helped change the way that we as sellers sell but it's only gotten us back to about parity. And maybe, from what you're saying, maybe not even quite parity. Well, maybe th- we're still a little behind. Yeah, I think, I think we are to some degree. But I, I think your point is absolutely correct. I mean, it's, yeah, this hasn't happened in a vacuum. I mean, we look at the way the sales models changed in various industries. Take software, for instance, right? I mean, the sales model had to change because the way the products were sold changed, right? We went from... You know, a uh, let's say in software, you went from a hosted to a subscription services model. Well, I mean, gosh, you you know, you obviously have to have a different cost of acquisition in that sense than you did before. So it forces this change in the model. Perfect, love it, great. But at the end of the day, we're not doing any better, right? We're not we're not using the technology. I agree. I, mean, I, wish, I look at with envy at, at so many of the tools that are available because I think back to the day when I was, you know, carrying a bag carrying sales guy. Uh, it would have been great to have them, and I like to think that it would have made a huge difference in my own productivity. But the question is, maybe would it have? 
So, so it's 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 interesting because one of the things I'm I'm seeing and I'm hearing because, as you know, and everybody listens to the show knows, yeah, you know, I. Every year I talk to hundreds of sales leaders and sales thought leaders and technologists and so on about sales. And there seems to be this, this sort of common thread that's, that's coming through, which is what we're missing and what's the hard part still and is the, the human-to-human engagement. That technology notwithstanding is, is the real... Uh, the real fulcrum, if you will, the real leverage point that we're not able to really get better at is how we as people deal with people on the other end. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's true. I had a conversation yesterday with uh, a sales manager. Um, I listened into one of actually a call that she had. It was a strategic accountant. She wanted to take it, and I was listening in on it. And she was excellent at the people to people. She was excellent at reading this prospect. I mean, the soft skills that you're talking about, Andy, I mean, she leveraged technology. She did all of those other things. But the conversation we had after was right on point with what you're saying. Because they said there was a reason that she didn't have any of her reps take this call, that she did it herself. And the reason was, is because she she she's better at she's better at selling she's better at the soft skills and so our discussion was gosh how do you hire for that somebody that that is going to have a good um, emotional intelligence as well. How do you hire for that? How do you train around that? Because all the tools in the world, all the sales acceleration products and services aren't going to overcome that. And so how do you how do you hire to it? How do you train around it? How do you test for it? How do you reinforce it? No, how do you, and I think right, how do you reinforce it? I mean it's huge, a huge part of it as far as I, I tell. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. I was just gonna say, I think to your point, all these other things are gonna keep us uh, keep a salesperson from drowning and doing a whole bunch of little things that aren't going to go anywhere. So technology may help us be more effective in knowing maybe what to do, but maybe not how to do it. Not how to do it and how that that interpersonal. It's you and I've had several discussions on, you know, are sales people becoming obsolete? Are they going to be unnecessary? Well, I think some of the stats that you're bringing up to me highlight a, a bigger issue, which is, no, they're not. I mean, good salespeople will always be in high demand. Yeah, I agree. I think that that where the issue becomes is, and perhaps the challenge comes, is that I think undoubtedly in the business-to-business space, you know, there are at the, I'm going to say at the lower end, let's you know define that from a dollar and complexity standpoint, there's always going to be this continuous pressure as technology improves that you know, more and more of that can become self-service. Because one of the things that's happening uh, you know, at the same time is that you know, the buyers themselves are becoming better enabled to find the information they need to make decisions. 
Yeah, one of the things that that's just happening is, you know, we're making more data available. And at the same time, we're making the tools available to the, the buyers to go out and find what they need. And so if the salespeople aren't upping their game in order to be value providers for the customers, add a difference, add the insights, things we all talk about, then, yeah, we're going to start seeing the sort of creeping, the line creep, let's say, uh, upwards where below which you really don't need a salesperson and above which you do. Yeah, and I, I actually, I don't have any problem. I, I think about my own buying patterns. And in many instances, perhaps most, I would prefer to self-serve. That's my preference. However, there are situations when I do want to talk to someone. I want someone with context. I want someone knowledgeable to talk me talk to me about it. And that's even after looking at sites that uh, give referrals and compare products. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that I can get there. But there are still situations when I want to talk to somebody. There aren't a lot. But there are ones when I want to talk to somebody. And when I do want to talk to somebody, Andy, I want them to be knowledgeable. Well, exactly. And, and so I think, you know, and I was, I was thinking about this also um, it just in the context of, of hiring salespeople. And I'd be curious to get your take on this. Here's what I'm noticing. And I, I don't know if it's just me noticing it being in tech in Silicon Valley although I've, I've hired, I would hire across the U.S., um, and I've hired internationally as well, but let's just say across the U.S. and in tech. It seems that the range for salespeople, there's less on the really high end. I mean, you and I in the heyday, an enterprise rep, what would you say an enterprise rep would make? In our day, let's not date ourselves by saying when that day was, but it was a $10, while ago. $10,000 a year. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but I mean, but, but I mean, equivalent, no, like what were they, I know, what were they, what were they, what were these, what did these comps look like in terms of what, what enterprise reps were able to bring in? Oh, I, I think it was at least the equivalent of what you'd earn today, if not higher. And, and, and high, mm-hmm. five, six, 700K. Sure. In some cases. I mean, reps that were. Yeah, that we're making. I'm seeing the number of those jo- the number of those salaries going down. Like I see that dropping. Okay, I don't see as many of those, and I see the the salaries that are that a an inside salesperson can expect to make going up. It used to be that inside sales was super junior. Mm-hmm. Where now so much is done over the phone that an inside rep can make great money there's so i see the two sort of coming together more they're they're congregating more in the middle where it seems to me there used to be a much wider spread in sales and i think it speaks to the fact that a lot of the self-service can get taken care of on its own so you don't need a more junior person with a junior skill set and at the high end customers are able to self-serve to a degree that there are even more complicated products and complex products. There is less, you just have less positions that require the level of expertise that you would need to pay somebody six hundred, seven hundred thousand $700,000 a year. Do you, do you see that? Do you agree with that? 
Well, I do. I think, I think the, on the high end, I think where I might differ in terms of what the cause is, is that yeah, I think okay. that, that yeah. it's just the era has changed. It's, it's, at one point, people were rewarded for being, quote unquote, the superstar. And today, because there was some value they thought that, that they uniquely brought to it, Whereas now I think that, that people understand that it's much more of a team process to sell a major account. And that there's lots of people involved with it. And it's not just one person that did all the work, deserves all the credit, deserves all the money. And so I think that I don't say it's devaluing that role, but it's, it's uh, putting it into the right context, I think. Because I think that... Yeah, I worked in situations selling really large accounts where, you know, we didn't pay commission to sales reps on large deals. They got bonuses based on it, but they didn't get commission because they couldn't have sold the deal without sales engineer. They couldn't have sold it without support of the VP of engineering. They couldn't, you know, told, you rolled up the bus to sell the account. And so I think part of that's a reflection the at the top end, part of it's a reflection of, salaries of of that reality and in a way that's always been the reality oh i know but now people now i think executives are better at saying this is the reality and yeah i mean this high-end person yeah they've got certain skills but they're more replaceable yeah i i think i i agree with you i i'm glad you brought that up i think that's exactly right is it selling is a team it's a team sport and and to bring in those big accounts, it does. You've got you've got a lot of different players involved, and as you said, I think just gone are the days, or they're they're the days are numbered when the sales rep is just seen as you know the superstar because mm-hmm. it takes it it does take a team, it does take a team, and so. We're starting, yeah, and I think you're right. That's a really, really good distinction. And we're starting to see salaries sort of come into line that recognize a reality that's that's always been there. Yeah, I mean, there's still a risk premium. I think that's paid to sales reps. I mean, they are at risk in ways that that other professions aren't. Other people on the team that are helping them sell, uh, you know, it's their neck still on the line. But um, yeah, I mean, if you and I've written about this in my books, is, is the really successful sales teams that, that I've seen, that I've researched, that are like, I draw the analogy to like, uh, I know there are people probably may hate the analogy, the New, the New England Patriots, uh, you know, with the coach by Bill Belichick, is that he has set up a system, you know, a process, if you will, the you know, analogy to a, a sales process. And when they go into the free agent market, when they have a need for players, is you don't see the Patriots out competing for the real high dollar free agents because they find people that fit into the system because the system is what wins. And increasingly you see sales managers and executives that take that same approach is look, we've got a really effective process system that we use for capturing accounts. And yeah, we're not going to perturb that by bringing in one person and paying them an outsized amount of money. We're going to record them, you know, reward them appropriately for what they they contribute, and you know they get people that want to come into that position because it becomes a more sane place to work. It becomes a more predictable place to work if you're a sales executive, 
than it does one of these places where perhaps you're brought in as a hired gun and yeah, they're going to pay you a ton of money if you do well, but you know, you're sort of out there on an island and the pressure's on from day one and oftentimes, you know, people fail in those circumstances. Yeah, because it, as you said, you, you can't do it on, you can, they can't do it on their own. No, no. So, um, yeah, the days of sort of being the, the lone ranger, if you will, yeah, increasingly are gone. I think that's a good thing. Well, I think it is too. But it's it sort of you know we circle back to to the original point we we're talking about is we have now this more of a team ethos, if you will, and it makes sense. Cause, you know, you can, if you are dealing in situations, if we accept as as sort of a given the the data that comes out about how many stakeholders are involved in a decision, typical decision, and so on. You know, from five to eight, whatever, whoever you believe. Well, that's that's really requires that you have a team approach. To that if you're assuming that your account executive is the one that's going to form the primary relationship with all of the stakeholders, that's really a mistaken notion. Yeah, I mean that's a bad strategy. You don't have multiple people with those relationships into their their counterparts that are stakeholders uh, within an organization, the buying organization. I know that we're straying off topic here, but hey, we can do, do that. Think, it's our what show. Do you think, what do you think then about Presidents Club? Whether there should be one or not? Yeah, just and well, and and how you who's invited to Presidents Club? Because a <laughs> lot of them sometimes they're not they're not just salespeople. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I was I was uh, in Hawaii last week. And um, got hearts blurbly. It's just last week. I uh, wish I was still there. Anyway, um, but at the, hotel, at the hotel we're at, there was a president's club with an Australian company. Um, so yeah, whole, whole, whole group of uh, Australian sales reps and their wives and significant others. Um, you have to find a way to include the team. You know, I don't think it's just for just for salespeople. And I've seen companies that have found a way to to um, include everybody that sort of was had some sort of uh, goal that they need to achieve within their within their jobs. You know, whether it's a team goal, they're part of a team, and there's a team objective or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think you you don't want to. You know, we talk about sales and marketing alignment. We talk about the need to have. Certainly in complex sales, you're going to have some sort of uh, maybe technical support that's coming in to help you sell. If you separate the sales team and reward them separately, then it doesn't encourage that alignment with these other groups. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't help them to say, oh, gosh, these guys are you know, treated differently. These people are treated differently because they just happen to be in sales, but they couldn't have gotten this done without me. Yeah, and, and like you said, there's a different – salespeople di- typically accept a different uh, amount of risk in their salary. You know, they're, they're – it's typically 50-50, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 50% base, 50%. So there's, a, there's, a, there's an amount of risk that salespeople assume that they get rewarded for. And I think, you know, you take that into consideration, but then aside from that – it's a team. You can't do it without product. You can't do it without marketing. You can't do it without finance. You can't do it without admin. 
you can't do without customer success, you can't do without support, you can't do, do without management. I mean, there's so many areas in which salespeople really need the support of the organization to really be successful. And just how do you continue to reinforce, like you said, that alignment and where one group isn't being uh, either paid so egregiously differently or thought of so differently? I think I think the alignment is getting better and better and better. That's been my experience. Is that um, it's just getting it's getting it is getting better. That that part of it, I would say, there's definitely been an improvement. Well, I mean, I think you can actually sort of foresee a day if we sort of look at some of the current trends and play them out in terms of how sales takes place, especially on again on more of the enterprise complex side sale that you get back to a point where, you know, a company like Digital Equipment was, people remember Deck, the old Deck back in the uh, pre... Back in the day. Back in the day. Um, where for the longest period of time, they did not pay commissions to salespeople. They didn't? No. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I think there was times when it changed, but... Um, that was part of their their ethos, and yet I lost people that worked for me that were earning good money in commission, who went to work for them. So, why the question was always sort of why, but it was a combination of environment, success, experience. Um, you know, I think non commissioned salespeople are you know the just the day to day pressures are different, mm. especially if you're in more of a team team thing, um, team setup. So I, I could see that making a comeback. Yeah, I know I, there's a company that I advise that, uh, it has been experimenting with that. I, I like it. I, I was working for, a a technical VAR, uh, Hewlett-Packard was actually Hewlett-Packard's largest technical VAR. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to do a, a team commission, team-based team, and we we were shut down by management. They just they it just didn't think that that was that somehow we would be demotivated, and that we would work hard, or that somehow that's we're going against our very nature as salespeople to not to be competitive and I want to say money grabbing. That's not really the right term, but. Um, <laughs> Well, I think the, the concern oftentimes with executives is, is on the other side, because I've been in similar situations where we sort of pushed the same thing earlier in my career, and yeah, it got shut down, because really the concern was, well, not about salespeople as much, it's about the other people, that if you took people that were not accustomed to having you know, a substantial portion of their compensation be variable, then... Um, you know, what would they'd all be demotivated if for some reason they didn't make it because they weren't, you know, the same mindset as salespeople. So if there's a year where they, you know, didn't make as much money as they were accustomed to because, you know, they didn't hit their objectives or whatever, then they'd stand at risk of losing those people. Yeah. Well, that's you know, it's where the it's where the conversation, the decisions get sticky because there are some people where that would be the case for sure. Yeah. So, okay, well, we're going to start wrapping this up because yeah, you're right. We sort of strayed away from our original, where's the revolution in sales is going to come from? Uh, we just, though compensation is perhaps one area where the revolution may occur. And 
whether it affects ultimate productivity, we would have to, we'll come back to that issue in another episode and we'll, we'll dig into that. Um, but yeah, the bottom line for me is, is just to go back to what we started at the top is just how are we really going to make a dent and fundamentally change how we produce the salespeople or, you know, the flip side is, is you know, use the analogy, let's say of, of, uh, golf let's say the game of golf is that there's been a technological revolution in golf and yeah the scores let's say on the pga tour at the you know top of the game because we're talking about professionals at the top of their game here in sales have dropped right they've been able to use the technology um but have they dropped you know, it's been that some you know stuff written and arguments made that it hasn't really dropped enough. Hasn't really things hasn't really changed enough, even though there's all this technology in terms of scoring in golf. So I mean, do we have the same situation in sales where we just sort of reach the edge of human limits? Or I, I don't. I'm just of the mindset, so I don't think we have. I think there's so much more we could do that we're not doing that have to do with how we relate to the other person on the other side to be more effective and more productive. Yeah. I don't think we've reached our limits either. I think we've got a long way to go. Oh, good. Well, that's a very optimistic, positive way. Yes, to end. I tend to be optimistic. I yes. tend to be optimistic. Well, good. All right. Well, Bridget, as always, great to talk to you and friends. Thanks for joining us again on another episode of frontline Friday. If you have any questions, remember to send those to us. Uh, we've been answering some of those on the air here recently. You can reach me at andy at zerotimeselling.com. And uh, Bridget, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. And likewise, have a great day. Okay. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.